Dear Lord, we thank you for this time we can be here to gather together to, um, to fellowship and unite as your people, to hear your word and to worship you. We pray that uh, you would just bless us to come into your presence, to um, know you deeper, to hear your voice, and to really connect with you and worship you today. We pray that you would bless the sermon and that um, we would be intentional about pursuing you. And we thank you for your grace and amen. So this is part two of what I spoke on last time, being intentional about spiritual growth and sanctification. Um, we had a lot to cover last time, but we, we did pretty good. We got through like two out of seven ways for how to pursue your growth more effectively, and now we have eight. So now we're two of eight. Um, that's how that goes. But... Um, so we're going to start with review, and then we're going to pick up where we left off. So last week we looked at um, why you need to pursue growth effectively, how to think of your spiritual growth and sanctification, and, uh, and we looked at two ways of how to pursue it well. So we're going to do a tiny bit of a review, but we're going to get through it pretty quickly. But the first thing we looked at was how to pursue growth effectively. No, that's not it. Why to pursue growth effectively? All right. The first reason is because we're commanded to by God in the scriptures to be intentional about um, our spiritual growth. And we looked at three specific scriptures. I'll list them, but we're only going to look at one this time because this is just review. We looked at Second uh, Peter chapter three, verse eighteen. Second Peter one five through eight and 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 20. But real quick, I just wanted to look at 2 Peter 3, 18, because I feel like that just captures it pretty well. Um, but 2 Peter 3, 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now uh, and to the day of eternity. Amen. So it's a, it's a direct command to grow. And if it's a direct command, grow, then we need to pursue growth and be intentional about it. Um, second reason why we need to pursue growth intentionally is that if we don't pursue growth, we won't really grow. It's like trying to get fit without exercising. Like, it's not going to happen. Unless you're Bradbury, but even the... <laughs> I think he does exercise some. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a general principle. He who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. And if we don't pursue growth, we won't grow. And how intentionally we are about pursuing growth, pursuing God, really has a huge impact on um, you know, how much we do grow. And then the third reason of why we need to be intentional about pursuing our spiritual growth is that um, our spiritual growth is of utmost importance. And, you know, like I said last time, I want to re-say, I don't just mean just your prayer life or just your Bible reading. Those are spiritual growth, but your spiritual growth also is how you handle your finances, how you treat your spouse, how you handle all your relationships, how, what kind of worker you are at your job. Um, all of that is your spiritual growth. Because God, God's word has things to say about those things. So what, whether or not you're 
doing what God's word says to do, that's your spiritual growth in those areas. But your spiritual growth is of utmost importance because um, it determines how equipped you are to do things for the kingdom. And that's, that's why we're here on earth as Christians. We're on earth to glorify God. We exist to glorify God. So the next thing we looked at was having um, right thinking about Christian growth. And I uh, just want to quickly restate the three points that we looked at. Number one, we will always have more room to grow. We took a look at um, Philippians 3, 7 and 16. And, um, and I don't think we'll look at the whole thing again, but it's, it's the verse where Paul is saying, um, I press on towards the goal of being like Christ. Like Paul always had more to press on towards, and he knew that he would have more to press on towards. And in this life, there's always more progress and sanctification to be made. So don't be discouraged if you're like, ah, I'm still not there. You won't be. You're not going to be there until you die or until Christ returns. But you'll cons- you should constantly be going to be more like Christ. The second thing we looked at and how to think correctly about spiritual growth is that there are more and less effective ways to pursue spiritual growth. There's more or effective less more or less effective ways to do basically anything in life. And um, if anything's worth doing, you should care about how to do it well. We should be look, asking ourselves, how can I do this more effectively? How can I do that more effectively? But especially, how can I pursue God more effectively? What's holding me back? What could I do better? The third thing we looked at on how to rightly think about growth is that sanctification is a grace-based journey. This one's a really important one, but um, the main thing I want to hit on that we talked about is it, you can't just think that salvation's by grace, but sanctification isn't. Um, that takes the gospel out of sanctification, and that's a non-Christian way to think about it. If, if you think, to the extent that we think performance-based about Christianity, to that extent, the gospel isn't in our thinking, and we're thinking in a, a non-Christian way about it. So then, the third part, the longest part, is how to pursue growth well. So we got into two, the first two points of this part last time. Number one is to have vision. And I should clarify um, what I mean by that just to be totally clear. So when I say vision, how I would define it is an understanding of where you need to go. An understanding of, I need to be at this level. Um, So vision, understanding, goal, maybe call it a plan. But you need to have an understanding of where you're trying to arrive at. And specifically, all Christians need to have an understanding or a vision of where they need to go in four areas. They need to know it in like 
how deeply should I know the scriptures? And you know, the answers for these four things are going to be different for each person. And not just where you need to go in life in these areas, but where you need to go in this season is going to be different for each person. But these need to be things that you're thinking about. How deeply should I be pursuing the scriptures? Because you can't spend all your time pursuing the scriptures or you won't go to work and you won't eat and you won't have money and then you'll die and then you won't really... (laughs) That won't go so well. (laughs) You can't use all your time pursuing the scriptures. You, You have to have a balance. In the Christian life, there's balance in every area. But you have to ask yourself, what... What should I be pursuing? Where am I trying to arrive at with my understanding of the scriptures? And where am I trying to go in this season? Where does God want me to go in 2021 with my understanding of the scriptures? And the more, understand, the more detailed your understanding of that is, the better. We're going to talk, um, as you may have guessed, with it being the first Sunday in January, about goal setting. But that's something to be thinking about in your goal setting. Second area we need vision in is a vision for our character, like where does my character need to go? What do I need to be focusing on right now? I need to be more patient, stop cutting people off in traffic. We all need that. But we need to have like a tangible vision, because if we just think I need to grow and it's not more tangible than that, you're not really going to do anything about it. And even if you tried to, you're just going to spend time thinking to yourself, well, what do I do? What am I trying to grow in? How am I going to do something about it? The third thing we need a vision for or an understanding for is our growth in ministry capacity. All Christians have three ministries to God, to the church, and to unbelievers. And... Um, and we can be more or less equipped for those ministries. The more equipped we are, the more we can accomplish. The less equipped we are, the less we accomplish. Where do you want to grow in ministry capacity? We looked at um, Ephesians 4, I forget exactly what it was, but I just love the verse, um, God gave teachers, apostles, and prophets to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Like I'm, I'll probably mention this in several other sermons, but I hate when people think ministry, that's just for ministers. No, ministries for the saints. The ministers are there to equip the saints for ministry. So we all need to have a vision for where we want to grow in our ministry capacity. And that's something to be thinking about um, with your goal setting a lot of you have just set goals. Some of us still have to set goals. I'm kind of in the middle of it. I've set most of my goals, but I'm still thinking it through. Um, it's still January. <laughs> and then one of the really important ones we need to have a vision for is the church as a whole. Because God is doing things through his church. The church is God, God's main means of accomplishing things in the earth. And if we don't have a vision for that, then we won't have an understanding of how we're supposed to participate in what God thinks of as his chief means for doing things. 
And if we don't have a vision for how to participate in that, then that's just sad. If you haven't read any of the books on the foundational list about ecclesiology or eschatology, you should try to read one or two of each this year. That should be on your goals list this year if you haven't. They're great books, especially when the church was a family. And eschatology of victory. And something I kind of didn't mention last time, but we're going to get more into today, is you need to have an understanding of where you need to go, but it needs to be broken down into specific steps. So like if I just think I need to be more patient, I do need to be more patient. But if I don't have ideas of what I can do to be more patient, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> um, but we're going to get into that later in the sermon. So the second thing we looked at of how to pursue growth more effectively is to have a good, a clear understanding of the sanctification process. So, um, you know, any process that isn't working well, you're trying to troubleshoot, let's be honest, all of us in the sanctification, it doesn't always work well. You have lots of setbacks. But it, when trying to figure out where we went wrong, it helps to understand how things are supposed to go. And we got a bit into like how your mind affects your heart and the scriptures, God uses them to renew your mind. And that and his Holy Spirit working in you is um, one of the main ways he sanctifies us. But if you would like to know more about these things, if you didn't get to listen to... Um, part one of this, please go back on the podcast and listen to it. Mm-hmm. All right, continuing. So number three um, is have us a plan for scripture reading and scripture memory and just scriptural consumption in general. I feel like it needs to go beyond more than just reading and even more than just memorizing. So uh, we probably won't spend too much time on why you need a scripture plan, but I do want to touch on it a little bit. Number one, um, you know, God, God speaks to us through his word and it's how he renews our mind. It's, uh, it's his one of his primary means of changing us as people. And, um, and Greg talked on this for a good bit last week with like why we need a scripture plan. And um, it can be kind of hard to communicate like if you don't have one, you need a scripture reading plan. But if, you, if you're thinking you're going to grow in your faith and you don't have a scripture reading plan, then you should stop thinking that. You shouldn't expect to grow if you don't plan on reading the scriptures. It's like expecting your plant to grow when you don't water it and you leave it in a dark room. If you don't plan on reading the scriptures, just stop expecting to grow. But anyways, I think a good Bible plan 
should involve reading, obviously. And, um, and you should plan to read through the Bible on a recurring basis at least every year or two. And um, if you want to have some specific plan ideas, you should go back and listen to Greg's message from last week because he, um, he gave some good examples of some specific plans, four specific plans. You can either go back and listen to the message or you can get the outline. They're towards the bottom of the outline. Um, but if we just read God's word, but we don't do other things, we don't memorize it, we don't um, intentionally study it, then we won't have all the riches of God's word we're supposed to have. So number two, I think we should have a plan for memorizing it. You know, memorizing God's word, it really equips you for like every area of life. And... Um, so we all go through trials. Having scripture memorized is really helpful when going through trials. We all go through temptations. Jesus went through temptations and quoted scripture. Um, it's useful in conversation. It's useful for evangelism. It's useful, useful for discipleship. Um, like if you're not memorizing the scriptures, you're just leaving behind ammunition. You're like going into battle and like, oh, two magazines, that's good enough. <laughs> Let's just leave everything else on the table. I'm going to use analogies like that for most of these things on the list today of things you can use to pursue growth better. Like, do you absolutely need it? You can grow without it maybe, but you're just leaving tools on the table. It's just a waste. So one thing that might be helpful for people, so reading, memorizing, and for some people I think you should have a, a Bible listening plan. Um, my, my wife has a nice Bible listening plan because she's good at multitasking, better than I am, and she listens to the Bible at work, and, um, and she can actually get through the whole Bible in a month while listening to it. And I don't think you get as much listening as reading but you still get stuff by listening. And like listening to the Bible 12 times in a year, like overall that might be more than reading. You can get a lot out of it 12 times. I'm not telling people they should do that. That's, I can't multitask well enough to listen to anything at work at all. That is not on my goal list, but something to consider. But the third thing, and something everyone should be thinking about with their Bible goals you should have goals for knowing the scriptures. We tend to overlook this, but even more than reading it, you definitely need goals for reading, but you should ask yourself, what areas of the Bible do I know well, and what areas of the Bible do I need to know better? Because if you read the whole thing over and over, but you're not actually learning it, you don't actually get the main concepts, you're, it's like... It's like eating and throwing up all the time. It's like having that one sickness. Like you're, you're eating, but it's not helping you. You need to have a plan for knowing the Bible. Um, and you might ask other people, what do you think I could know better? You might make a list of, well, here's the Old Testament. I kind of know these books well. Or you might base it by concept, like how well do I know the gospel? How well do I know the heart of God? 
Like, how well do you know what God thinks and what God feels? If you don't know God well, then um, that's a problem. You're not getting the point of the Bible if you don't know God well. There are several things we need to get, and um, you need to know the heart of God. John. Yeah. John just said, um, we would all do well to ask our disciples and our spouses, what concepts of the Bible do I not know well? After one year of marriage, I'm surprised how much my spouse knows about me. No, I'm kidding. That's, <laughs> take that off the podcast. Um, but yeah, we all need goals for knowing the Bible well. So I think not only do we need plans for knowing the Bible, but we should have plans for growth in general. Like having a plan for how to grow, this kind of gets to what I said we would talk about with, you need a vision, but you need to break down that vision into specific steps um, so what I'm hoping each of you will do if you haven't done this already, like in December, is to, even if you've already made your list of goals, go home, write down a list of like concepts in the Bible. Well, first, first or second, you should ask your disciple here and your spouse, what areas do I need to know better? But, um, make a list, think about which ones you think you need to know better, ask your discipler, ask your spouse, if you don't have a spouse but you live with single brothers or single sisters, ask them. Um, but you should be making lists like this, making detailed plans. Don't sit around and wait for someone else to make a plan for you. Um, it's great when other people help with plans, it helps me, but, but you need to get to the point where you can do it yourself. And you, shouldn't, you should have other people's help but you should make an effort to be competent enough to do it during times where you might not have other people. You should ask your discipler and your spouse to help, but you shouldn't be to the point where you're waiting on them. You should be taking initiative. I want to quickly take a look at Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plan... Uh, Proverbs 21, verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. But I always think it's, it's interesting that it says the plans of the diligent. It doesn't just say diligence leads surely to abundance. Diligent people plan. Planning helps you be diligent. Like on days where I go to work or I'm working from home or working on home projects at home, and I don't have a schedule, I tend to just do nothing. Happens all the time. Plans help you be diligent, they help you be more effective, and diligent people plan. <laughs> but anyways, when you're making a plan for how to grow in any area, including the scriptures, um, there's four questions you should ask yourself. I wish I would have put these on the PowerPoint, but I didn't have time to. Um, 
you know, what areas within this area do I need to grow in? Such as listing concepts, that's an example of that. Um, which of those do I need to grow in most at this time? You know, sometimes, some seasons in our life, some areas are more important than others. We can't focus on everything at once. We've got to prioritize. What goals should I set for how to grow? And the fourth question I would say you should ask when making a plan is, what are the steps I need to take to get there? Could you read those four again Yep. Uh, number one, what areas of growth are in this area? Number two, which of those do I need to grow in most? Number three, what goals should I set for how to grow? And number four, what are the steps I need to take to get there? And if if for any reason you don't feel like doing this because you feel like you won't be good at it, it's, it's pretty much true any plan is better than no plan. Mm -hmm. um, what goals should I set for how to grow? starting to wish I had made this a three-part series. I was going to go through some examples on like actually doing this and like go through a process of this is how you would do this with your finances or this is how you would do this for evangelism. But if you want to know more about that, talk to me afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but making plans for your growth, if you can get in the habit of doing this, this will make a huge difference. Um, like, I did this when I was in school. I do this for teaching myself how to program. Um, I did this for teaching myself to have better social skills back when I was really awkward. Like, this really helps. You need to be intentional about your growth. Making plans is part of being intentional. Anyways, point number three. Um, is this point number three? This is point number five. My outline is wrong. Point number five. Pray for your spiritual growth and, you know, have plans for, like, your prayer life. So, you, prayer is one of the most powerful tools we have available to us. That's, like, clear throughout the scriptures. God does awesome things because of prayer, things that would not otherwise have happened. And it's more than just in the scriptures. It's throughout the scriptures, but it's throughout church history. Um, especially, like, what God has done through prayer and fasting there's a book on that that I forget the title of, but God has done awesome things. It's a pattern in the scriptures. He responds in power to our prayers. So to like to be trying to grow, but not like regularly 
at least weekly praying for progress and your growth, that's, that's silly. You should be praying for your own growth like every week, every day really. There's no point like, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but it, it's so, it, the idea is senseless. It's easy to forget to pray for this, that, and the other, but pursuing growth in the Christian life without praying for God's uh, favor and power, like, it's silly. But um, also have a prayer plan for like praying regularly, because not just in your own growth, but prayer just makes a huge difference in anything. If there's anything you're trying to be successful in and you're not praying for success in that, like, it's like showing up to a fight with a knife when you could have had a gun. But if it's not part of your goals for 2021, um, you should have set aside time for prayer, I think, each day. It doesn't have to be a lot. Personally, I try to have at least 15 minutes of set aside time for prayer each day, though I might pray more than that throughout the day. But, um, and one thing, just in quick mention, that I think helps. So, have set aside time for prayer. Have a list of things that are important enough that you want to make sure you keep praying for them. But have a bit of a prayer rotation. So, um, so if you just pray for the same thing over and over, it can feel really repetitive if you do it every day. And, um, and it's also easy to leave a lot of stuff out. So what I do is Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I pray for, on Monday, um, myself, my family, and the people I'm responsible for, for spiritual growth and life in general. On Tuesday, I pray for, um, you know, GCF, the church as a whole, and Christians I know. And on Thursday, I pray for the government and non-believers, that they'd be saved. Because we're commanded to pray for all those things. And, um, and I think that's just something that helps me to just not be praying the same thing over and over and over and get into a pattern where I feel like I'm just being too repetitive. But prayer as a whole is guaranteed to affect the quality of your growth in life. The quality of your prayer life is guaranteed to affect the quality of your growth. Tip number six, uh, have accountability. So God didn't save us to just be an individual. God saved us into a family. He saved us into his church. And, uh, and he gave us to each other to build each other up, to support each other, and to help each other. And living life without accountability is failing to take advantage of that. It's failing to take advantage of, of the empowerment that God gives through his community. And not just that, but Living life without any Christian accountability, I think, is actually just outright sin against God's word. Amen. So let's take a quick look at uh, James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. So that is the command. Confess your sins to one another. You don't have to confess your sins to everyone. I would recommend against it. But, um, but you can't be confessing your sins to no one. 
because it's a command. And we could get more into this, more deep into the details of the priesthood of all believers, but I'm a bit behind schedule. Not a lot, just a little. But, um, but that's for another time. So, um, how can we have accountability effectively? How can we do it well? So one thing you should do, man, I should have made more lists on my PowerPoint for these, but um, pick key areas. So we all have areas we struggle with more than others. Like um, I could ask Jean-Luc to hold me accountable on how often I steal cars, but if I do that, I'm probably trying to avoid the areas I really need accountability in because I, I haven't yet gotten to the point where I actually steal cars. I just think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's areas I need accountability in that are more important than that because I actually struggle with other things. But um, should pick key areas for your accountability. Uh, number two, pick good friends or pick the right people. Someone who's mature enough to think level-headed about it. You don't want someone who they're going to feel like it's the end of the world when you tell them you've been set back or sin. But you want them to be able to encourage you but rebuke you and give you advice. A mature Christian. Your discipler would be good. You should always have accountability with your discipler. Um, maybe a household member. I think point number three for how to have accountability effectively. Um, have other people pray for your growth. That's the other part of James 5.16. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. I love how James puts these concepts right next to each other. You can tell that's what he's thinking about this. It's what the Holy Spirit was inspiring him to think. Like, you confess your sins to someone else and that person should pray for you because prayer has power. You want other people praying for you just as you should be praying for other people. It's interesting when you look through the epistles how much Paul talks about like praying for the growth of people in the churches through like probably half of his epistles he talks about specific prayers he prays over churches and the people in them. Tip number four on how to have accountability effectively is um, you know, report to people about your progress and your stumbles and ask them to check up on you. It's taking the initiative to report to them, but it's taking even more of an initiative kind of to ask them to check up on you. I think that can make a big difference. All right, that leads well into uh, tip number seven. Have a disciple slash mentor discipler slash mentor. So why should you, um, number one reason, it's biblical. <laughs> it's the pattern we see throughout the scriptures. Who did Jesus disciple? The disciples. <laughs> uh, it's an ingrained pattern in the church. Jesus discipled the disciples. He commanded them to disciple others. 
It's the pattern of growth in the church. And it can really help you grow in ways that it, you want to grow in otherwise or want to grow in as quickly otherwise. It provides accountability. It can help you to have more of a vision for your growth. It can prov- help you learn better. There's a lot of teaching that happens through discipleship. And it can be very encouraging. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I do have a few points for how to do discipleship well. I'm not going to go too much into this because I'm, I'm excited that Daniel is going to be speaking on this. <laughs> Make sure you're paying attention at the 1030. But uh, just to build some momentum for Daniel's message. Five things that I think will help with discipleship. Um, number one. Have someone who disciples you and meet with them regularly. You should meet with them probably at least bi-weekly. But you know it's different from situation to situation. If you don't have someone who disciples you, um, talk to Christiana or Stephen or start attending some of the home groups. If you don't attend one of the home groups, we have three of them, and um, you can ask Stephen or Christiana for more details on that. If you don't attend one, we'd love to have you. Uh, tip number two for doing discipleship well, be open and transparent with your discipler. How transparent you are really determines how much they have the ability to help you. Like, um, if I'm discipling someone and they don't tell me what's going on in their lives, I won't, I could be wrong in which direction I'm trying to help them in. It could be that they need something help and something more important. So, um, transparency really does make a difference. Number three, work out the issues you may have with them. Um, it's easy to have issues with someone discipling you. Like, um, I've had various relationships with someone who was kind of mentoring me or discipling me, and, uh, and I would frequently get annoyed at them for rebuking me, but that's life. And, uh, but you also, if you are mad at them over something, you can't just stir in your anger. Um, sometimes you just need to talk to people and say, hey, I'm frustrated with the way you do this. But you, how you go about ish, relational issues, you just can't let issues defeat the relationship. Number four, try to draw out their knowledge. This is another thing where being intentional helps. Being intentional always helps. But, you know, if you have a, a discipler in GCF, the people who disciple people in GCF know a good amount about the scriptures and about various areas in life. And... Um, even if you don't try to draw out their knowledge, they'll try to teach you, but it'll be better if you also try to draw out their knowledge. It'll go quicker, and it'll be more focused on what you actually care about learning at the time.
Tip number five is to give them feedback. Like, um, if I'm discipling someone and I'm just telling them things they already know, I hope that they would tell me that they already know them or that, um, or I'd, I, maybe they need to know this more. I wish you would talk about this, but feedback always helps. When you have two people working on a thing, feedback helps. Give their discipler feedback. Tip number six is to listen to Daniel's message. <laughs> No extra charge. <laughs> All right. Um, tip number eight. Pursue continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. I really should have done this with three parts. But uh, even more than, maybe even more, if, if you're not pursuing the Holy Spirit, like there's no growth that happens apart from the Holy Spirit. We have no hope of our overcoming our sinfulness apart from the Holy Spirit. Like it's very clear in the Bible. Let's actually take a quick look at Galatians 5, 16 through 24. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the, law, the, works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you're not walking in the spirit, you're walking in the flesh. The flesh has its fruit and the spirit has his fruit. And it's inevitable. You can't overcome her sinfulness apart from the Holy Spirit. So if you would like to be um, being more filled with the Holy Spirit, you should be making plans for that. You should have a plan for... There's... Four main ways I would recommend pursuing being filled with the Holy Spirit. Worship. I'll, I'll list them and then I'll get a little bit into each one. Worship. Prayer. Fasting. And scripture reading. Worship is how we come into the presence of God. When we come into the presence of God... The Spirit works in us in um, a special way. This is one of the things I need to work on in 2021 is having a more intentional plan about worship. If there's anything I need to get from this message, it's this. 
prayer. Like one of the things I've noticed from being more intentional about prayer, like I can sense being more filled with the Holy Spirit after times in prayer. Fasting. Fasting builds up your anointing. It's, it's closer communion with God and it leads to being filled by his spirit. And of course, scripture reading. Reading the scriptures will cause you to be more filled with the Spirit. But to summarize this point, like when it comes to plans, goals, if you're not frequently being filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to think of a plan to change that. It just isn't overcoming sinfulness apart from the Holy Spirit. All right. Um, the last tip, tip number nine, we need to learn to balance contentment and discontentment. So you might think, but we're commanded to be content. To some degree, we'll also be commanded to be discontent. And we'll get into that. Um, you need to be somewhat discontent. Because God commands us to hunger. He commands us to desire for things. But hunger and contentment are opposites. If you're hungry, there's something you want more of. You're not content with it. Um, let's take a quick look at Proverbs 16.26. A worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. We need to want to grow. If you don't want to grow and you, you claim to be a Christian, you should probably consider whether or not the Holy Spirit has made you a Christian. But I really do love that verse. A worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. Like, desire helps in anything you're trying to accomplish. It's actually the reason I go to work in the morning. I want money, believe it or not. Just to show quick, uh, briefly, we're not... The contentment we're called to, and we are called to be content, it's not some absolute contentment that covers everything and just we don't want anything ever and... It's not like that. So let's take a quick look at 1 Peter 2, verse 2. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Oh, no, that's not 1 Peter 2, 2. 1 Peter 2, 2. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow into salvation. And then Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied but we're commanded to hunger. Being too content can actually be a problem because it can lead to lackadaisicalness and laziness. But we also do need to be content. If you're just discontent with your growth forever, you're just going to become discouraged. And discouragement is a temptation to either 
slow down or give up. We need to be careful about that. We need to learn to balance contentment with discontentment. All areas of Christian life require balance. We're commanded to hunger, and we're also commanded to be content. It's also, if you're always discontent with your growth, it's hard to maintain that and be grace-based. But one thing that I think is something worth considering when it comes to balancing contentment and discontentment is um, just to remember, God doesn't charge us to be the best. He charges us to make the best of what he gave us. Let's take a quick look at Mark uh, 12, 41 through 44. This is talking about um, Jesus. Um, Mark 12, 41 through 44. And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came in and put two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who were contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had to live on. We need to learn to balance contentment and discontentment, but, you know, you can't just be permanently discontent either. You have to have a balance. And God charges us to make the most of what he gave us. Not the most of what he gave someone else, the most of what he gives us. All right. In conclusion, um, everyone is called to be intentional about their growth. But don't think that your being intentional about your growth only affects you. Like, oh, if I'm not intentional, it's, it's not going to matter to anyone else. It doesn't affect them. Like, if you're intentional, if a church is a team and a family, and your growth benefits you and others. My growth benefits me and others. And my lack of growth hinders me and others. If we all are very intentional in 2021 about our growth, like we could grow so much as a church. And that would bless each of us and each of each other. You can't think that your growth only affects you. So in conclusion, my exhortation is we all need to be intentional. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time to be here, to, um, to come into your presence, to hear from your word, to think about how we can pursue, pursue you more intentionally and more effectively. We pray that you would help us to think graciously, to have grace towards ourselves and towards others, to remember your grace towards us. We pray that you'd help us to hold each other accountable and to seek accountability from each other. We pray that we would really be thinking about how we can pursue you deeper and how we can prioritize you more. We pray for your empowerment in our lives. And we pray that um, you would enable us to become and achieve all that you've called us to. We thank you for your grace and amen.